This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Care Notes with Doug Wilbur. And here we are in 2024. And, you know, Doug, we talk a lot about healthcare because you're in the home care, healthcare business. Right. Um, and I think so many of us don't realize how intense home care, healthcare can be. And especially... Mm-hmm. Now, with weather being bad and, you know, some of your clients probably can't even leave their homes because of the weather conditions. So how do you want to address this today? (laughs) Well, um, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because um, what I I really wanted to talk about today was um, a, a care model and the care model that we have, but I believe one that is necessary in in order to do care that is is optimal for the people that um, are aging or who have chronic conditions. And um, it's really kind of probably the best way to say would be patient-centered or client-centered care uh, with the idea that you are... Um, really looking at the individual needs of someone and then trying to create uh, the, 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 the matrix where that person can do well based on their needs, not based on, uh, you know, like a cookie cutter approach. And, and I, you know, We've talked enough that I I think you realize that I really am not uh, I have real issues with a cookie cutter approach. Um, not that that there isn't reason why it was developed in facilities, and not that that facilities haven't tried to overcome that, but really more that home care is specifically designed to address that and. So now it, it's a matter of like, how do we do that well? How do we see an individual as an individual and shape a plan around that? Um, so the plan can look like, you know, um, I, w- I was with someone yesterday and, and essentially with what their needs were, it was, uh, you know, an older person trying to take care of uh, that person's, you know, spouse. And um, and really running into an obstacle, which is that that there's they themselves have health issues, and so to adequately meet those needs, but but also to understand that if we figure it out, um, it may not mean extensive care. It may mean that all that person needs is a handful of hours. Um, you know, in the morning, because that's where the that's where there's the the issues and the um, and the lot of the work that's being done. And then if we can get over that hump, then that person will do fine. And um, it were actually both people will do fine. And so um, so patient centered or client centered care really first and foremost it has to look at 
what you know that individual and where their problems, where their issues, where their needs are, and then as a company we adapt to that. You know, within obviously, I mean, within parameters, but but as best as we can, we want to create something that will address those needs for that person. Um, and, you know, and and that that can be. Um, you know, very much on the physical level, um, but, it, you know, actually helping with chores around the house or, you know, with uh, being involved in doing things like bathing and grooming or other other things that are very much on the personal care level um, and or what they would call the ADLs or IADLs. Um, but then kind of emotional, you know, what's going to give emotional. So the example of a spouse could be that one spouse goes out to the store and knows that they can leave their, um, their husband for an hour. But if it goes over an hour, they start getting really, really nervous. Sure. Like, oh my gosh, you know, I have to get back. What's going to happen if this person um, tries to get up and falls? And so they never truly relax. So they feel like they are always responsible and and never sort of able to, to at least for a while, hand it to someone else to say, um, you, you take on the responsibility, at least initially, of health and welfare. And even though I'm still kind of ultimately re responsible, because <laughs> we don't want to take that away from someone, but I I can have the relief that I don't have to worry. They're in good hands. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it reminds me of my mother taking care of my dad um, in the, about the last year of his life. Um, hmm. You know, there were days that he was very functional and could do everything he had to, but there were many days where he could barely get out of bed. My father was 5'11", my mother was 4'11". <laughs> and my mother didn't want anybody to help her. And she did it, we have no idea how she took care of him. Um, yeah. And my father, when he knew he needed help, he was willing to let her help. But there were times that he didn't really need it, but she read him wrong. And that's, and that's hard on on people as well yeah oh yeah you know i i do think that you know the understanding when when i started this one of the things that um had motivated me is that the healthcare system is i i wouldn't say it's broken i would say it is kind of scotch taped together yeah and um and and that that it people are and and in part that scotch tape together has happened because we've had lots of changes you know health sure. healthcare is really different when you essentially had you know largely two specialties you know you had um your your practitioner who who concentrated more on just like more the medical end of things 
and then you had the the person that did more of the surgeries. And and frankly, uh, not too long ago, I mean, within my lifetime, there were a lot of people that were general practitioners that were doing surgeries. Right, right. You know, and and so we we aren't very far away from that. So within you know my life span, um, very young lifespan, I will tell you, you know. So, <laughs> so within my lifespan, we've seen you know the rise of specialties and now subspecialties within specialties, so that you know someone who is going through residency program is not only going through the residency program, but then they're doing a fellowship afterwards because then they can be that that subclass sure. of their specialties. And um, so you used to have kind of the family home for medicine and that that doctor would refer, the doctor would make rounds in the hospital and all sorts of things. Well, most doctors with um, um, especially in urban areas, are not making rounds in hospitals more. Right. You have hospitalists. You have people that are, you know, specialists within the hospital that are, that are doing that. So the doctor who was kind of the the quarterback is is in many ways far less the quarterback than they used to be. Um, you know, because the the quarterback not only you know, uh, snapped the ball and threw it, but ran and did all sorts of things. Sure. You know, uh, to kind of stretch this analogy, and now you know they they're just kind of standing and tossing the ball, and so so often even the patient is is kind of running with the ball on their own, <laughs> and going to their own specialist and making their own choices, and it's you know there's much more of a consumer type of of um, mindset, even with patients at this point in time. So the the uh, um, healthcare system is trying to catch up with that and catch up with the advances in medicine and catch up with all sorts of of things. And and frankly, I can see that that in healthcare in general, that's going to just exponentially grow because I I you know. Frankly, I think artificial intelligence is going to do a lot of things that doctors used to do um, in helping to kind of work through uh, things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It, it could be a really good thing, but but like who's who's kind of minding the whole? Uh, um, exactly. Yeah. So um, so I, I do think with a, a patient-centered model, um, at least with the piece that that we control, I think um, I'm a real big advocate that that you, you know, as a company and as an agency, as as a as a healthcare practice of some sort, um, we can help a little bit in understanding what the need is. And in our, the way we structure our company is we actually have care managers who are doing the schedules and other things. So the attempt is to look at that person as a whole person to, as the needs change, try to change and work with the families to make those changes 
and um, or the individuals, you know, um, if if they're making the decisions, and then try to like create a plan that is taking in all the components and the desires of the individual and the needs of the individual and the the economics of the individual and say, how can we make this work? And um, you yeah, know, getting, I mean, getting to know that individual, I think is the key. Um, I think for many of us, oh, yeah. we've talked about in the medical field today, I see like a half a dozen different doctors. And even though all my information is in one chart, they don't seem to know what the other one's doing. And I've had to correct them a couple of times and they'll say, well, I'm going to put you on this medication. I'm going, no, 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 I can't take that because of, um, and so when you can be your own advocate, that's great. But when you can't be as many of your clients are, you know, you have to get to know who are the people who know you best and also, you know, not treat you like somebody who doesn't know what's going on. Right. Yeah. As as we're kind of developing and moving along, you know, one of the things because we see the need and because, you know, that's in part what um, compelled me to, to start it. It's it's going to it's that process of how do we help to manage or help others is probably a better way to um, manage that care, whether it be that individual or a family member or the entrusted party that we come along and we say, you know, here's the part that we can do. You may have heard of my analogy of um, the uh, the Dutch boy in the dike. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, that... Um, and I, I really think that's a, a good um, way of looking at the the care, but it's a little bit still explaining things in a responsive way. Um, but what the idea is is that you know the Dutch boy in the in the fable had found the the hole in the dike and it was spilling out water, so he stuck his finger in the hole and kept it intact and saved the town from from destruction, if I remember the yep. story. Yep. Um, and um, and what I will oftentimes try to explain to a client is that's what we're really doing. We're, we're looking and saying, where are the gaps? Where, what's going to be the thing that could, you know, um, go from a leak to a, you know, full on flood? And how do we patch that up with, with, whatever needs to be patched and um and so sometimes that means a caregiver sometimes that means a piece of equipment sometimes that means a um a, you know a, a doctor's visit there's all sorts of things or you know scheduled uh, care sometimes it means getting pt or ot into the house um in order to do it but and and we're not acting per se as the quarterback but what we're trying to do is say here's where that need is here's where we can step in and here's how we can keep it intact but it is looking at the individual and that is the critical part if you don't look at the individual 
and you're just trying to to kind of do a standard approach, I think that we're missing a really significant part of the power of care and specifically the power of home care. Now, before we started, you mentioned something about that you had a conversation with a doctor this morning. Right. And right. and you were kind of talking about this. Uh, what was the essence of that? I'm, I'm really kind of curious. So this is one of these doctors that I'm sure you, you know of concierge medicine where you pay yeah. membership. Um, and she happens to be in the DC area. And so that's what her practice is. But yeah. she actually goes to the home of her patients that need her to come to their homes. So that's how she's gotten to know, wait a second, this patient really needs me to come to their home. No, this patient doesn't need me to come to their home as much. And she said, it takes a lot of time to put all that together. She said, but she believes that her patients slash clients have a better frame of reference for their health. They know mm -hmm. what they're capable of doing. They know that, hey, I can try to do something else that maybe you once told me I couldn't. Um, and the way she talked about it, I, I was thinking about my own medical care. Um, I came back from Texas, both my husband and I came back from Texas um, with infections, totally separate. Mm. We've been even sleeping in the same bed because of where we were. And we couldn't figure out how are we both sick like this? And his doctor suggested one thing. Same doctor yeah. for me suggested something else. And it finally took going to seeing a second doctor who took samples and things and finally said, this is what it is. And Did you guys have both the same thing? Yes, or was it but in different oh, ways. So we, okay. what we ended up with, and I've never heard of it, and the doctor said he never heard of it either, but I have a yeast infection in my ears, and it's from wearing my hearing aids all the time. My husband had a yeast infection behind his knees. We're not quite sure. You know, they're not moist or anything else. Yeah. And we weren't, like I said, we weren't in the same bed or anything else like that but they said that the bacteria can if you touch yourself and then you touch another person it can spread yeah. but the first doctor was telling him he had dermatitis told me oh don't worry about it your ears are going to itch and it took us almost two weeks now to finally have somebody say hey this is what we got to do for you yeah i could see why there would be like a, a disconnect between the ears and the- Right, exactly. You know, but the that, fact that we said, this is where we were, this is when it both started. And yeah. when they took a picture of inside my ear and behind his knee, it looks exactly the same. Oh, yeah. interesting. So, yeah. but again, you know, it would be, and I understand why it's not this way in a lot of cases, but- Doctors today in this industry, they don't have enough time, okay? They're, oh, yeah. they're on the clock from the medical company that they work for. Um, and that's why listening to this doctor today was like, it sounded like what you do in home care 
And that's what she's doing as her medical practice. Well, I've had so often um, the um, clients say to me, you've told me things that my doctors never said. Now, I'm not I'm not practicing medicine, so I'm not doing anything like, you know, like, you know, but but there are things that a doctor could address that we also can address it, you know, that um, and but the problem is, is that the physicians really don't have time. And one of the things I try to to give when I go in is the opportunity to fully understand what's going on. So it is not unusual for me to spend two, two and a half hours in that initial intake. Sure. Um, and it's really trying to understand. Now, you know, I'm oftentimes asking like health-wise what's going on and what medicines and um, and and different things like that, that where I'm trying to understand what could arise or what could become a problem. But even with the questions that I'm asking, I'm assessing is someone, you know, having question, I mean, having issues with recall, you know, is there the possibility to, of dementia coming in? Is there any neurological things that I'm, that I'm noticing um, that, you know, and, um, and, you know, what are, what are the, the barriers that they're having in their homes and, and things. So it's really trying to understand so that we can go in in a non-medical way and assist that person. Sure. Uh, but, but it really comes with a, a beginning understanding of, you know, what, what's hard, what's the diagnosis they've been given by, by doctors or folks in the medical system, other things. And then, you know, what are the implications of that, that, you know, will happen. And, and so often I was, uh, I was just talking to my internal staff and they were saying something about uh, something that was going on with, with one of the, um, the clients. And I said, you do realize that this is a common way of coping with the condition that person has. And I, I you know, said, I've seen it over and over and over. So you know that this is related to that. And, and it, you know, there were some behaviors that were involved with it that are, are not good behaviors as far as the, you know, impact that it sure. uh, was having. But, but I said, but, you know, it's happened often enough and then we're seeing this, this, see this pattern with this condition that, um, that there is actually a link and, and it, it doesn't excuse the behavior that might be tied to it, but it at least shows that there's something that pushes that individual in that direction and but but you you have to understand that you and then then you can address it you can say what is it that behind it that's creating that behavior that's linked in with with this particular disorder and um and and then you can actually potentially address it by first understanding it so you know to to understand 
your clients, you have to understand your clients. Exactly. You have to know them. Yeah. Yeah. I and, have a friend who has a mother who um, has very severe dementia at this point. And um, the caregiver in the morning, she comes in and uh, helps the mother take a shower or a bath. And the mother fights it. Oh, but yeah. Once the shower or bath is done, she's absolutely fine. She's the happiest person. And it took time for my friend to understand what was happening. And the caregiver kept telling him over and over again, this is normal behavior. I'm prepared for it. I may not like it, but I'm prepared for it and I know what to do. And when they shared that with me, you know, I was thinking about my mother's situation and there my mother was bedbound, but she didn't realize she was. And when they would come in to want to bathe her, you know, she fussed. It was, you know, why are you touching me? And mm -hmm. once she was bathed, she was the happiest lady. So, oh, yeah. you know, they sort of told me a couple of times, you may want to walk out because she's going to yell. She's going to scream. But I guarantee you, when you walk back in here, she's going to be happy and smiling. And she yeah. will tell you, oh, I love my bath. So. <laughs> after she's done, right? Right. After she's yeah. done. So again, yeah. understanding it and having somebody who has seen this behavior before and knows that it's, you know, fairly normal, you know, makes you realize, okay, it's just something that we now have to deal with. Right. It was normal for her. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You, you know, the, the, and that's the thing is, is that for someone else, if they were yelling or screaming, you might think is, you know, what is going wrong exactly. with this? Yeah. And, um, but for her, that's kind of the normal behavior. And, and, uh, you know, and then you start figuring out workarounds too. And that's, that's the other thing is, is, you know, the, what are those workarounds? And I, I, one of the things that that I've probably mentioned before, but it's still like an important um, uh, story that that um, happened in my family. But the caregiver for my mom um, really understood that she was a slow eater. She'd been with her. She got that. So it, my mom would. If a meal was brought to her, she would eat the whole meal, but it would literally take her an hour and a half um, to do it. And there were certain cues that this person would do that would help my mom stay on task, but she would always finish it. And I always think that if she had been in a facility, even a really good facility, they would have said, oh, you're not hungry. My mom wasn't greatly communicative at the point, and well, um, so probably wouldn't have been able to express anything, and um, or may have not been hungry that second, and um, and would not have have finished her meal, and you know, no one would have thought twice about it, or been able to kind of see, oh, this is the pattern that she follows and and that's what i you know i keep on going back to this is why i so strongly believe in home care but not just any home care because what you absolutely need in this situation is 
the right caregivers, people who are compassionate, who are empathetic, who understand that like what and who they're dealing with. So they're seeing the person as a person and and they're conscientious. They actually care. You know, they care that they're doing a good job. So you have to get the right people in place. So that is incumbent on the the home care company to try to find those people. And and that's a gift, you know, that there are, you know, I mean, we'll look at the health care system in general, that those characteristics are important throughout healthcare. And think about how few people actually have that. You know, there, but though and but also think about how incredibly good those people are. You know, it's it's pretty amazing. And and you can recognize it. It doesn't take long to look and say, this is that type of person. And um, and so you have to get those right people in place. You know, unfortunately, um, you know, one of the the issues and one of the problems in care is that care, you know, is is increasingly expensive. So finding those people that do that and then, you know, trying to to pay for it, you know, right. and reward exactly. them for those behaviors, but there's kind of a cap. There's only so much um, an individual is able to pay if they're paying out of pocket, unless you're incredibly wealthy, you know, and, um, but, but most of Americans are not incredibly wealthy. Exactly. You know, my mother had one woman, uh, she came in every Thursday. So my mother was in care for about 12 weeks but she figured out, I don't, I think she sort of knew my mother uh, at the facility, but she would come in and she knew my mother was a take charge person. And she'd walk in and she'd say, okay, Dorothy, I'm here. It's meeting time. And she would have so-called meetings with my mother, her whole shift. And mm-hmm. you'd walk into the room and she'd say, it's not lunchtime yet. You know, Dorothy's in a meeting right now. And you could see the difference in my mom, you know, whether she totally understood it or not, this person captivated her for her whole session. And, you know, I don't know if I could, I could do that, you know, but it takes a special person to get to know you and provide you with the things that, you know, make you feel good. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I've found is that there's no cookie cutter caregiver either. That there's some commonalities: conscientiousness, caring, you know, um, uh, it, um, that 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 are important. That 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 kind of cross the board. But boy, we have different personalities, different ages, different um, different um, socioeconomic backgrounds different education levels and and we have great people that come from all of those different backgrounds and each one sort of has their place in the care um, spectrum of who we're caring for um 
And and what I mean by that is not that, you know, even that's not a, a cookie cutter. It's oftentimes, you know, I think that temperament is going to work well. And it's, um, you know, it's a little bit like being, you know, a yenta, you know, I think as far as like trying to figure out how to match up that person right. in the right way, you yeah, know. Absolutely. So, um, so anyway, I, the, these are thoughts. One of the things that I want to um, maybe close with is as a company, you know, we are definitely not um, perfect or there or anything that a lot of this is is we see the need and as a company we're committed to seeing how we can be a part of this whole new industry of home care and and help to shape that help to be the pioneers and what that looks like and and that's you know one of the things that motivates me on a daily basis like how can i create models or create um, uh, structures where we can do this well, where we, and and it, um, how can we look at as an individual, as an individual, and meet those needs as you know, as a um, agency, so that that person definitely gets the maximum benefit of of. Um, of doing well, you know, as they age or as they have chronic conditions. So, um, so, you know, as a company, that's, that's our commitment. That's like, as I mentioned, you know, one of the things that is, is a driver. And so I, I really believe over the next year, that's going to be one of, you know, our, our big focuses is, you know, how do we tweak, 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 tweak to um, make this become more and more a model for others. So well, we're very grateful for you and your staff and uh, hopefully others out there are picking up on some of these tips that we, we bring and uh, hopefully there'll be more caregiving individuals like you and your staff. We'll see you well, next Sounds time. good. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.